We have an exciting conference. I want to explain just a couple of things before Frankie comes. One is uh, tonight, if you come back at 5.30, we're going to start the service promptly at 5.30 at 5.40. Our retired Marine, where's Dan at? Where's he at? Back in the back? Where you at? There he is. Okay, Dan and Donna Derby. Uh, he'll be presenting tonight. Dan and Donna have an interesting ministry. He's not here to raise support, by the way. He is a retired man who got tired of sitting in a church pew and began to pray, God, how can you use me? I don't, I don't want nobody's money. All I want to do is serve you. So it's an interesting correlation between how Dan and Donna came into the ministry where we are and uh, God just orchestrated that. So Dan and Donna are going to tell their story a little bit and how God's using them to fly all over the world uh, to help a particular ministry. So you don't want to miss that, 5.40 tonight. And then at 6 o'clock, Sharif Arif, who I met years and years ago, I'll tell you his story, as a student in Egypt walking down the street uh, in Alexandria. I actually met him on a sidewalk in Alexandria years and years ago. And uh, God has since brought him here to the U.S. to be trained. And we're praying that he'll be one of the main uh, leaders in our ministry here soon. But this morning we have the privilege, and it is a privilege, Frankie, by the way. Uh, Frankie Matthews served at Sheets Memorial Baptist Church for 38 years, started out as their youth pastor, ended up coming into their senior pastor role, had multiple staff under him, a Christian school Frankie wore 50 hats, and I don't think I'm exaggerating. As a wonderful wife, uh, two boys, two grown boys, grandkids, and so forth. But it's amazing because Frankie could not retire because years ago, God started something in his local church, which was called a ministry to Egyptian nationals. And we could tell you the story for hours. We won't do that. Frankie's going to speak to us this morning, and we'll share more throughout the week. But we, got, we have him two times on the schedule. But God burdened his heart to retire from the pastorate, step down, but to come on full-time as the president of the National Theological College and Graduate School and also a ministry called Baptist Equipping Nationals. So he is a dual president. So he gave up the senior pastor, became full-time president of both organizations, and he is a wonderful man, and we're thankful to have you with us this morning, Frankie. Thank you, John. Thank you, guys. Do I need this, or I got a mic on? Okay. Hey, good morning, church. Good to see you here today. Hey, if you're uh, visiting, you need to come back. Uh, not just this week, but the, the weeks ahead. You need to be here. Um, I know your pastor, and I love John and Karen and the family. And uh, you need to be a part of this church if you don't have a home church. If you're, if you're watching online, you need to come on down. Get involved. I um, was sitting there a while ago, and uh, as, as Cullen was being introduced, Kellen, I'm sorry. And, uh, uh, you know, it's always interesting, what, what song is going to follow something like that? And I turned to Pastor Brian, and I said, Pastor Brian, what's the next song? He said, well, it ought to be, Kellen, listen, I Surrender All. <laughs> okay, little joke. <laughs> hey, I'm excited to be here. Um, and, and again, if you're visiting or if you're, you're watching online, first person I talked to when I walked into church, Gary. Uh, where's Gary at? 
Yeah. Uh, back here. First person I talked to, I think, when I walked in. And, uh, or Eddie. Eddie was the first person. And then Gary. And uh, just nice guys just welcomed me, talked to me like they'd known me for years. And uh, just a warm welcome. I really, really appreciate that. I wish it, uh, maybe this week as we uh, talk a little bit, I can tell you a little bit about uh, the two ministries, Baptist Equipping Nationals and then also National Theological College and Graduate School. I'm so excited that you're going to get to hear from Dan and Donna and about how they got involved, and you're going to hear from Sharif. And uh, they're exciting stories about how God, listen, how God uses ordinary people. Even when you think maybe, as John alluded to with me, that, you know, retirement's coming, oh boy, I can hunt more. I can fish more. And, and the Lord uh, has put a burden in your heart, though, and a fire in your, in your soul. And you realize, you know, I, there's still work to do, still work I've got to do. And so this is an exciting story about um, the ministry and how, listen, if you don't get anything else this week, I want you to get the fact that God can take ordinary people, ordinary people. And I'm sure Dan and Donna would say the same thing, Sharif, ordinary people. And, and use you in extraordinary ways to reach people. I, I was uh, excited this morning. It was good to hear from Mitch and what he's doing with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I'm so, I was a youth pastor. Mitch, I told you that. And I, I love kids. Biggest group that needs evangelism and needs leadership that needs to see what a, what a man looks like and how he lives and, and what a family looks like and how they function. And I'm so glad I got to hear your, your story today. But I want you today, as you sit here, we're going to talk a little bit about, about missions and about missionaries. And that seems far away, doesn't it? I, I, you know, I, I'm from Kernersville, North Carolina. Any of you ever heard of that? Oh, a couple people. All right. I don't know why y'all, know why y'all were down there. There's no jail or prison in that area. I don't know why y'all were down there. But... but um, uh, I'm, I'm a Tar Heel, born down there, raised down there. You know, went to high school, barely made it out. Uh, and uh, God got a hold of my life, gave me a good wife. I went off to Bible college, and the rest has been the greatest adventure that you can imagine. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm serving well above my pay grade. If you don't believe so, ask John. I'm serving well above my pay grade. But God has given me the wonderful opportunity simply because I I heard the call to salvation and I accepted it. I heard the call to dedication, dedicating my life to God. And I didn't, I was a senior in high school. I didn't know what that meant. I just knew God wanted me to, I didn't know what to do in my life. And maybe some of you are here this way this morning, young people. And you're thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do when I graduate. What am I going to be? And hey, just go to the Lord and say, Lord, here's my life. I don't know what to do with it. Tell me what you want me to do with my life. And you just wait and see what God does in your life. You just wait. Listen, and, and I always think about this, and I don't want to be braggadocious. Please don't think that. I have been in the Great Pyramid, Khufu's Pyramid. I've been in it. I've been on the Nile River. I stood beside the Sphinx and took a picture. We do look a little alike, except he's got a bigger nose. No, no, I got the bigger nose. Um, I, have, I have swam in the rivers in New Zealand. I've listened to the Red Stag Roar down there. I've been places I never would have gone simply because I'm following the Lord. And it wasn't, listen, it it wasn't, I didn't go there, you know, as a vacationer. I went there to serve the Lord, but God gave me opportunities. God will do the same thing in your life. You surrender to Him, you will give up nothing except maybe a sinful life and bondage 
but you will gain everything. And if you don't get anything else out of what I say today, get the fact that God has a plan for you, wants to use you. We talk about missions, and we talk about missionaries, and it seems far away. Those are, those are different people. Well, some of them are. But you think, I could never go there, be there. I could never do those things. Yes, you can. And you can be involved. I, I just was listening this week, and you've been listening this week, to the, the, to the problems that we're having in America. Cargo ships off the coast of Los Angeles. Uh, they're telling me that I may not have Christmas this year, y'all. That my presents won't come, you know. Um, and I, I, you know, I thought that was interesting. I did a little research. They were talking about 80 cargo ships off the coast of Los Angeles that cannot unload their wares, their goods, L.A. Long Beach Port. By the way, it's the largest U.S. port. It's the ninth largest in the world. It handles 40% of the container imports into the U.S. And, and some of these vessels uh, can hold up to 24,000 containers. It boggles my mind. They call them TEUs. Um, they are, uh, it's a 20 by 40 car, uh, container, basically, is what it is. It's, it's a, um, uh, it, they say that a, a regular cargo ship, well, some of the largest can, can, can handle, you know, 24,000 of these things. And if you would line them up, they'd make a freight train 44 miles long. And the reason they are all backed up is because they have no truck, truckers to carry it across the U.S. There's a dearth of truckers. By the way, ladies, those cargoes, they, I, I was just, they try to give you an idea about how much you can put in a cargo container. 24,900 cans of <laughs> food, 48,000 bananas, those of you like bananas. Or 12,000 boxes of shoes, ladies. I thought that would be something to be interested in. <laughs> Some of you are wanting that for Christmas. It may not get it because it's held up on the coast, okay? But there's no truckers to move that equipment, to move those goods off of the, the port into and across the U.S. And it's interesting the problems they're having. There's a shortage of up to 63,000 truckers. If you're wanting to a job, you could drive a truck and you've got an automatic job, it seems like. But they said that one of the biggest problems is of aging drivers, aging drivers, 57% are over the age of 45. I didn't think 45 was old. I mean, 23% are over the age of 55. And so the truckers that are there are aging out and, and there's no truckers to replace them. As a matter of fact, one of the uh, leading industry providers of truckers said that uh, there is a, um, a need of like seven to 8,000 truckers immediately to get the goods moved, to get things going, and I'm not going to talk about the politics of it. And trucking is just one of the problems, but it is a major problem. You know, there's a similarity between that and what's happening in, in our world today. Um, I think I skipped one here. Um, there's, there's no missionaries... To carry the gospel. 7,300 right now, you could step into a, a ministry and go somewhere as a missionary. Not enough missionaries to carry the gospel. Just like those truckers. We have the greatest message. We have the greatest cargo. 
and we can't get it out because we don't have enough people surrendered. Now, it's not just truckers, you know. It's not just missionaries. We talk about missionaries. They're the point of the sphere. But behind the missionary, there's got to be a support group. There's got to be senders, people who are back at the home fires, keeping them burning. They're, they're praying. And not just, dear Lord, bless the missionaries. But you know the missionaries personally. You've met some. You're going you're to hear a Sharif story tonight, and, or Dan and Donna's, or some of the others that will be here. You heard Mitch's story. You know how to pray for them. You know what they need. Mitch, thank you for sharing. I'm glad Brian or John asked specifically what your needs were. And, and you know specifically. Pray for them specifically. Pray for them daily. Get to know who they are. One of the, I, was, I was talking to um, Pastor Emeritus back there at Monroe, and he was telling me about how long ago the Bishop's Conference started. He was telling me about the importance of his people meeting missionaries. Someone said, I never met, I went to church all my life and never met a real missionary. The only two names I knew was Lottie Moon and, and <laughs> yeah, Southern Baptist, never mind. And uh, never met them though. Annie Armstrong and Lottie Moon. Um, I, I remember coming to Sheets Memorial. I was at Liberty University, came out of Liberty, was in another ministry as a youth pastor for about three years and came to, to a missions conference at uh, Sheets Memorial Baptist Church when we first visited. It was 1983. Um, my, my oldest son was about three years of age. And uh, they had a missions conference. And I thought, wow, these, these people are real. Look, And I got to go up and talk to them and spend time with them, got to know them. And I've been there long enough now that some of those early missionaries are, are uh, going on to glory. And, and it's a sad thing, but I knew them. knew their families, knew their calling. I've been to some of the places where they served. And, and there's just not enough people to fill the need that we have. Listen, in, in Moody Monthly, um, let, me, let me back up here. Um, in a special missions issue of Moody Monthly, uh, last year, it said that the evangelical missions uh, societies need at least 7,500 new missionaries to meet the present demands. To recognize such a need raises the question, where are the applicants? Where are the applicants? And I just throw that question out to you. Would you just for a moment consider that? And maybe you're saying, Pastor, you don't know me. You don't know my situation. I really don't qualify. I'm not so sure. Don't be so sure. You may not be able to travel overseas. You may not be able to go in some uh, limited access country like uh, Dan and I and John and Brian, some of us have done. But, but there's something. There's an application process you need to fill out. You need to be involved. Not enough missionaries. We're the applicants. Hey, open your Bibles with me. You got your Bibles? Romans chapter 10, okay? Romans chapter 10. The Bible in your lap or, or the Bible or your app in the lap, right? Romans chapter 10. Verse 14 and 15. You there? Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15. So important to listen to God's word. To listen, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? 
And how shall they preach except they be sent? I'm going to stop there. I want you to look at this slide. I've got the highlighted uh, in, in yellow and red the words they, they, they. Some of you are thinking, you know, a lot of people, most everybody's heard about Jesus, haven't they? And I heard Mitch this morning, I think Mitch, you said, you, young person said, who's, who's Jesus? What's the Bible? Something along those lines. And I have met people. We had a wana at our, our church, John, and, and uh, we would have kids come in. And really, they didn't know Adam and Eve. They didn't know the stories of the Bible. And, and I think they knew the name of Jesus, but they probably heard it in the wrong context. You know, There's people out there, people here, probably people in Christianburg, that really have, they're fuzzy about it. You know, Oh yeah, the Bible thing, yeah, I understand that. Never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. Listen, how shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? Obviously, unsaved people. How shall they? How shall they believe in whom they have not heard? Again, unsaved people. How shall they hear without a preacher? So that the yellow, that those words in yellow are those who are unsaved, those who have never heard. How are they going to hear? How are they going to believe? How are they going to become saved unless there's a preacher? Someone... Not necessarily a John, Pastor John, or Pastor Brian, but someone who will share the gospel. Someone who will be that person who is sent as a missionary across the street, across the yard. And how will they preach? Those, those are the ones who are sent. How shall they preach unless they are sent? They are sent. You're here in your local community and you're looking for they in the yellow. You're looking for those who've never heard, never believed, never had an opportunity to receive. But you're also those who will share the word. They preach unless they are sent. And the problem we have today, as we look at that passage, is that uh, where are we going to find those missionaries to carry the gospel? Where are they and who is going to be the ones sending them? And this is what Romans 10 is about. Except they be sent. Who sins? Who sends a missionary? Now, I'm president of a mission board. Very unique, very small, very precise mission board. We don't have a lot of missionaries from the United States coming on board. Most of our staff, our missionaries, very small, are foreigners, foreign nationals. Some who live in the States. Well, all of them live in the States. But where did they come from? Who's going to send them? Who's going to you know, pray for them, financially support them, uh, help them with, with the issues of being a missionary. From, from where are they sent? And here's the big question. Where do we find missionaries? Where do we find them? Where do missionaries come from? They come from Bible colleges. You know, they, they come from those who, only those who attend Bible college. And sometime in Bible college, you know, the Bible college preps them and prepares them to be a missionary, calls them and sends them. No. They come from missionary agencies. You know, I, I don't know what all agencies you support, John. Baptist Men Missions, BIMI, NTCG, uh, Ben Baptist Equipping Nationals. Do missionaries come from missionary agencies? That would make sense, wouldn't it? A missionary agency, they're the, the ones who recruit and find and send out missionaries. But that's not God's plan. That's not God's program. Turn, to, to, turn back to Acts chapter 13. Love this passage. meant a lot to me when I transitioned out of my position as a full-time pastor. Because this talks about a church, 
mature church that has come to the point where uh, it, the evidence of its maturity is not so much its size. We're not told how big this church is. We're not told how, the, how big the numbers are. We're not told how big the auditorium is. We're not told what the membership is. But we know it's a mature church. You know why? Because they are teaching, preaching the Word of God. They're praying. They're fasting to, to understand God's will for their life. And God says there's some men there. There's some people there that need to be birthed. They need to be sent. They need to be sent out. Look at what it says. Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Now. That's a time word. It means we're down the road a ways. This is about 25 years after Pentecost. Um, This is the section of Scripture where the Apostle Paul is going to become preeminent. and, and, And the Apostle Peter is going to kind of move off the scene. This is where... Uh, a, a church that has been established. And can I just take you back? You don't have to turn there. Just listen to me. Acts chapter 6, church is born. Church is growing. 3,000 added in one day. And, and they're serving tables. They're, they're helping the widows and the widowers. And that's a great ministry. I hope you have something like that going. And, and in, in, in that realm, there becomes a problem. And listen, anytime there's growth, anytime there's movement, there's friction. And, and anytime you grow, anytime you move forward, there's going to be some problems you're going to have to deal with. And the problem was that there were two groups of people, Hellenistic Christians or Jews and the Greeks, and, and they, they were saying our, our widows are not being taken care of. So they chose seven men. One of them was a young man named Nicholas. That's my youngest son's name, Nicholas. And Nicholas, it says, was a proselyte from Antioch. That's the last time we hear of Nicholas. That's the only time we hear of where he's from. But I have to believe that somewhere in the future, Nicholas is going to tell someone, hey, would you go to my people, my family, to my friends in Antioch? And about chapter 11, the the persecution because of Stephen's preaching, Stephen's stone, the church is becoming persecuted and they're scattered. Verse 19 of chapter 11 says, Now they which were scattered abroad after the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenice, Cyprus, and Antioch. Antioch. And they find out that there's Christians in Antioch, and there's a church is established, or there's a group there meeting and huddling together and becomes a church eventually, and they send Barnabas up to Antioch to find out what's going on. And when he saw what was going on, he says, you know, we need a good teacher, good, good Bible um, uh, expositor. So he goes and finds Saul of Tarsus, the Apostle Paul, and they bring them to Antioch. And they've been ministering at that church, and when the Fullness of time has come. God the Holy Spirit steps in and says, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, Apostle Paul, for the work whereunto I have called them. The work I've called them to. There was in the church, not a mission agency, not a Bible college. You say, well, Pastor, they didn't have those back then. No, they didn't. But God's plan for this age, listen, is the local church. You're the plan. You're the plan. The local church. Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates, the authority, the power of hell will not prevail against it. I don't know about you. I have to tell my wife to turn off Fox News. 
I just get tired of hearing it after a while. I mean, you know, I can get so down and depressed about where the world is going and what's happening to our country and what the future is. I have two little dear precious grandchildren. As a matter of fact, my little granddaughter just sent me the weirdest message a while ago. And uh, she, she knew I was up, up here. And uh, her name is Keely. And she's the smartest, prettiest granddaughter ever. Not spoiled, not at all. But um, Keely uh, wrote me, you know, I worry about the future for Keely and for Waylon, my grandson Waylon. He's 12. I worry about the future for them. But you know what I, th- I come back to? There's an old song Bill Gaither wrote, Because He Lives. You ever heard that song, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow? One of the verses we never sing, we always sing first and last or something, says, How sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the joy and pride he gives, but greater still the calm assurance, listen to me, hon, that this child can face uncertain days because he lives. Hey, that ain't Scripture. <laughs> but that's pretty good, isn't it? I love that. That's probably one of the greatest lines in, 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 in um, Christian songs I've ever heard. What, a, what an emphasis on the real meaning of life, serving Him, trusting Him. He's in charge. So, so when you start hearing America's going to pod, America's you know, going down, and hey, my citizenship is in heaven. You know? I love America. I'm a patriot. Listen, I didn't serve... In, in the military, wish I had. Kind of glad I didn't, but uh, for those of you, Marine Corps, yeah, for Dan back there, you know, he's, he's a jarhead. He's a jarhead. More ways than you think. But anyway, no, he's, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not, when I get depressed, listen to the news and listen to what's happening and listen to our leadership and where it's going, you know what I do? I just go back to the Bible and just start studying again. Just get, just get re, reset, get my compass reset, get everything on target, and realize where we're headed, what's going on, who's in charge, and why I'm here. I'm, here. I'm not here. Listen, I'm not the pa- we're not passengers. As believers, we're not passengers on some cruise ship. You know, we got our ticket, we got on board, now we just relax and sit back and enjoy the weather and just cruise and sail and... Hey, we're members of the crew. We do the work. Our time's coming to rest. Our time's coming. But we're members of the crew. We're to work till Jesus comes, right? They, there was in the church, just like this church, those who were ministering. Hey, maybe you're trying to figure out, what does God want me to do in my life? Is this mission thing part of it? Um, should, should I be teaching should I be working with the children's church, uh, nursery? I know that my gift is not working in the nursery. I know that. I just, some of you say amen, right? Amen. But someplace, listen, God gave you gifts to serve one another. Not to say, oh, I have, I have the gift of administration. I have the gift of preaching. Uh, that's, it, it's to serve others. Take it and use it. There was in the church people ministering. That's who these uh, Barnabas and Simeon and Niger and Lucius and Manea and Saul. They were ministering. They were moving. They were serving God. They were doing... And it doesn't tell us it's just says prophets and teachers. And it's kind of highlighting those guys. But it says, as they ministered, the Holy Spirit said, somebody's listening to the Holy Spirit. And, and you sang about that this morning. 
the, Holy, the presence of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit in our life. And now we shouldn't be grieving or, or, or we shouldn't be uh, quenching the Spirit, but we should be walking in the Spirit, listening to the Spirit, working with the Spirit in our life to straighten ourselves up, right? Letting the Holy Spirit and the Word of God do it, but being, being in, in conjunction, in lockstep with the Holy Spirit. There was in the church. It was in church. There were those who were going to be sent. And there were they. They sent them. I love how the Scripture says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed. Who was that? Who were the they there? When they had fasted and prayed. Well, that could have been Barnabas and Saul. But then it says, and laid their hands on them. The church, the leadership. And what does it mean by laying on hands? I think it was D.L. Moody said, and he was probably thinking about my ordination, that they laid an empty hand on an empty head. That's what, it's, that's what ordination is. No, it's really signifying, look, and this is an Old Testament picture where they uh, would take uh, a goat, and they would, actually two goats, in the sacrificial system. And they would say to the Lord, Lord, um, we're laying our hands on this, this goat. And this goat represents our sin. And he will take our sin. And they will take that goat out into the wilderness and turn it loose. And it'll go. It'll leave. It'll disappear. And the other goat they'll sacrifice. And what they're saying is, Lord, um, this laying on of hands, we identify with this animal. And our sin identifies with this animal. And this scapegoat will take our sin away just like you have forgiven us of our sin. And when we lay hands on ordination of ministers and missionaries, deacons, elders, whatever, we're saying we identify. We, we recognize their calling. We recognize um, that, that the Holy Spirit has called them. And we are joining with them. We are putting our stamp of approval as a church on them. So the church commissioned, the church laid their hands on them. And it says the church sent them away. But then it says, so they being sent forth by the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that guides the church. You have a godly, intelligent, and I'm not just saying these things, a theologian as a pastor. Just Sharif and I were listening to uh, the podcast by Dr. Weaver, you guys, on the Theocratic Kingdom on the way up here. Had a great time listening to it and uh, traveling up here. Three parts. And uh, John, listen, Pastor John knows the Word. Knows the Word. He has replaced uh, our, our former president and, and, and resident theologian, Dr. Clay Nuttall. Dr. Nuttall went to heaven. He got all his theology straightened out, John. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> and John is the person that National Theological College and Graduate School leans on. Because God has given him great insight, great wisdom. The Holy Spirit has given him that. But God is not going to just use Pastor John to tell us all what to do. You're part of the body of Christ. And the, the, the head of the body... It's not Pastor John, it's Christ. He's an under-shepherd. And God has called him to this position to lead you. 
as a shepherd would lead. But you, to follow and to work together as a called out assembly, ecclesia, church, you as a church have to be in step with the Holy Spirit so that you together become that building of God. And you adorn the doctrine of God as you listen to the shepherd and as he preaches the Word of God and as the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and changes your life. I have a, there's a website that my graduating class from high school, one of the, I started saying one of the girls, you know, she's 66 years old. Do you still call them girls? I don't know, but one of the ladies that I went to school with has set up a website, you know, and, and, uh, and I just got in touch with the other week and I said, hey, I said, uh, I want you to put something on the website about what's happening in my life. I want everybody to know what's going on, you know, and kind of keep up with me. And I haven't gotten back with her about it. But I, I know um, a lot of people I went to school with says, uh, you're doing what now? You, you, you just resigned from a church? You're, you're a pastor? Because listen, in high school I was growing, okay? I was growing. But God, because I, I surrendered to the Holy Spirit, I listened to the Holy Spirit, He has done a work in my life that, hey, I just understand that God's going to get the glory for it all. He gave me the, the wherewithal, the physical health, the intelligence, uh, the memory. I mean, everything that I have, God gave me. That's why in Revelation chapter 4, when the elders cast their crowns, before the throne of God. Hey, that's not just a singing group casting crowns. They cast their crowns. It's because they realize it wasn't about me. It's about what God did through me. And all the glory belongs to Him. Now listen. Get back to what I was going to say. Hey, we must change our perspective from being supporters of missions to senders. Supporters to senders. I support missions. I fill out my little check, you know, and give a few dollars every month to missions. I'm a supporter. Do you pray for them? Do you know them? How many missionaries you support? Don't answer out loud. Can you name them? You know where they are? What countries they're in? And you don't have to know all of them intimately, but do you have a, a favorite? A, not necessarily a favorite, but just someone you've got a real interest in and you keep up with them and you ever send them a postcard or an email or a text or, you know, FaceTime them? You know where they're at? Senders are involved. Senders are laying their hands on the missionaries. <laughs> Metaphorically and, and physically when they come in. Give them a hug. Put your hand on the shoulder. Senders. And there's, there's sitting, listen... Where do we find missionaries? In the church. In this church. In this church. Don't look around. Look at yourself. You say, well, God could never you. Hey, <laughs> don't you ever say that. Paul said, of all the sinners, I'm the chiefest. Of all of them, I'm the chiefest of sinners. And what did God do with Apostle Paul's life? I don't know what I can do. Hey, good place to start. Lord, what can I do? As a member of this church, what can I do? 
you see Pastor Brian, Pastor John, some of the other leaders of this church, and just say, hey, <laughs> don't do this unless you mean it. Dan Derby came to me and says, Dan came into our church, and him and Donna, we're so pleased to have him as a church, you know. Uh, Donna retired from elementary education. Dan retired from aeronautics, and uh, uh, they started to grow. And Dan came in one time and says, anything we can do to, to help you, just let me know. Don't ever say that to a pastor unless you are ready. You are ready to do it. I came to Dan. I said, Dan, I've, I've, got, a, I've got a place I need some help in. And he said, what is it? I mean, you know, Marine Corps. Hey, diddle, diddle, straight up the middle, Dan. Is that the, you know, just rush it, just do it. Don't, yeah. And, uh. Dan became the administrator of National Theological College and Graduate School, which means he travels to the Middle East. I don't know, Dan, have you ever, had you ever been to the Middle East before we never been there? And uh, now he's, he's, he thinks he is one, Sharif. <laughs> he can say Shalom and Marahaba Habibi and Yala Yala and Hamemma. <laughs> I said that wrong, but you know what I'm saying. Was, hey, that means where's the bathroom? That's the most important word. <laughs> hey, would you be willing this week, as I close, would you be willing this week, honestly, just you and God, you don't have to tell anybody else, but just say, Lord, if you give me an open, I'll go through it. You give me an open door, I'll walk through it. You open a window of opportunity, Lord, I will take it. You show me what you want me to do. And, and not only that, Lord, I'm going to go and talk to Pastor John or Brian. Or, and Lord, if there's something I can do, I am willing. Someone said the greatest, avail, uh, greatest ability is availability. Not a bad saying. Greatest ability is available. Would you make yourself available this week? I'm not saying to be a missionary necessarily, but hey, God may call you to be a missionary. I'm telling you, it's exciting, guys. It's exciting. So God may call you to support missions in a, in a real, more than just financially, but maybe financially. He may call you to support it financially. You may be at a point where you're saying, you know, God, I'm, I'm in that easy part of life. I'm not raising a family anymore. I'm not paying for a home anymore. And, I want to invest in eternity. I want to lay up treasure in heaven. I want to be supporting what you're doing, Lord, and maybe through missions is how I can do that. Would you be open to just that question, just to say, Lord, if, if that's what you want me to do, show me. Would you just make yourself available? Just ask yourself this way. You're going to hear a lot of good preaching and testimonies and, and messages and a lot of emphasis on missions this week. But I want you to know, right here is where the future missionaries are going to come from. Right here is where you are going to be the, the greenhouse to raise up the next generation of missionaries. Right here is where you need to have a heart for missions. And you need to be preparing young lives. And those of us who are in the mature seasons of life, need to, we don't need to be sitting back and going, well, I'm retired and I don't do nothing anymore. <laughs> I haven't found it to be true yet. But you need to be saying, Lord, I want to finish out well. What can I do? Hey, let's bow in prayer for a moment, okay? Let's pray.
I ask you a couple questions. Won't you really consider that this week? Let God speak to your heart. Let the Holy Spirit, who is running this thing, right? Let the Holy Spirit speak to you, have His way in your life. Father, thank You for this good church, for this pastor, these people. Lord, I I know potential. I know the potential of, of this church and what it can do. You started being an NTCG house out of a similar church. And we're reaching into limited access countries and we're training leadership that's going into the, the creative entry places. You can't just go in. You're speaking to people who are from a background that is hostile to Christianity, to your message. But Lord, you have prepared a way. So Lord, speak to this church, speak to the leadership. And, and Lord, do a work here in the next three days that only you can do. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys.